0: Bienvenidos! Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod, changing the way you think as a sports better. This is episode number 52, Thursday, early Thursday morning, August 29th, 2019. Special happy birthday to my dad, who's definitely not listening to this. I would just like to say uh, welcome to the 2019-2020 sports calendar. I always consider the start of college football season as the start of the sports betting calendar year. I think it's the perfect time to review the previous season, turn the page, start fresh. So we've got college football underway now. As of this past weekend, we've got NFL regular season right around the corner. Uh, Major League Baseball regular season's winding down. And before we know it, it'll be basketball season. We'll be double capping both football and basketball in a couple of months. And I don't know about you, but I'm so ready for this. It's, It's been a summer of rolling up the sleeves and diving into football prep work. I've made quite a few preseason bets, many that are still available at the same numbers that I got, so I'll be sharing some of those with you on the pod today, and in terms of today's pod, it's actually, um, we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of when I started the Doggy Juice pod, and this is the 52nd episode, so that means, you know, we're averaging about one a week. As I said, the last episode, we did about two a week, Uh, actually, I think every week during football season last year, I did two per week, and then I scaled it back after football season ended just to one episode a week, and then... Been a little more slow with it over the summer. It's been a lot going on and everything, and obviously a slower sports calendar during the summer. But we're going to ramp it up now, starting next week. We're going to go weekly. Um, and in today's episode, I will dive into some quick hitters, and then we will talk about college football week one. I'll continue with some NFL talk, and including some buy-and-sell teams entering the 2019 season in the NFL But first, I have a special announcement. We are going to have a few changes on the Doggy Juice Pod for this season, some of which I'll share in future episodes. But I'm pleased to announce that starting next week, I will be bringing our favorite Doggy Juice Pod guest, uh, the Danimal, on for a weekly spot. Him and I have talked this over the past uh, couple weeks, and I guess we'll just call it the Doggy Juice and Danimal segment. But we're just going to break down some of our favorite games of the weekend in college and the NFL. Uh, So that's going to debut next week. I need to make some sort of drop forward. If anyone wants to make one for me, please do so. Just make sure you send it by midweek next week. So be on the lookout for that. It'll be a lot of fun and really looking forward to diving into games and getting a few more voices heard in here. And as always, too, we're going to bring on guests uh, pretty much on a weekly basis like we did last year during football season as well. I'm already working to bring some guys on. So I'm going to get some different voices, not just mine in here, but um, I'm pretty sure everyone that followed last year wants to hear some of the doggy juice plays for this year because... Last year's football season was nothing less than stellar. So anyway, let's let's get started now. Let's get going into this episode, starting out first with some quick hitters. Yeah. Buddy. College football week zero was last week. Um, actually kicked off the calendar year of sports betting on Saturday, August 24th this year. Uh, we had two main games that obviously everybody was paying attention to, Florida- beat miami and then hawaii upset arizona which actually took some money from me because i i was able to find a 10 with with normal juice uh laying 10 with arizona they lost outright so working on downgrading the arizona defense big time after that one um but uh tate khalil tate looked good at quarterback and then you had the whole bus scenario too that i think people aren't really considering i didn't even know about that uh the arizona bus. Uh, had some issues and they got to the to the stadium late um, and I think that that hurt especially with warming up you know you saw Khalil Tate come out there with you know I think it was like two or three straight three and outs against a really poor Hawaii defense and you know I think that a lot had a lot to do with his lack of a warm-up at the stadium and not feeling as comfortable and also you could also point to it's just terrible coaching uh on Sumlin's part too his team clearly wasn't prepared it was more of a vacation for them I was thinking that they'd come in with you know a chip on their shoulder to start the year but they decidedly did not in that one so Hawaii won that game but I'm afraid you know there's a public knee-jerk reaction to this one we could actually see value on Arizona in their next game their game at home against Texas Tech I still think they could be a buy-on team I am on the Arizona season win total over which took a huge hit with that loss to Hawaii but uh, they have a lot of tough games in the second half of the schedule but if they can right the ship here that still has a chance and everyone's going to be down on them after that first one Uh, against hawaii so i will be looking obviously depending on the number to play on them against texas tech at home in their next game uh, especially when everyone's remembering what they saw last but we'll see what the number is first andrew luck his retirement was the big story of the weekend obviously Uh, this sent shockwaves through the whole gambling community um obviously if you were quick to the draw and you were able to bet on the market um you were able to get some plays down maybe on Colts season wind holders or futures bets on the other teams in their division something like that um, most of my, all my books took everything down early except shout out to Dan i only found um, an alternative or a head-to-head matchup that was still on the board that we were able to get down on but um, so yeah it's the Colts are definitely they're downgraded but I think you, you saw a market move already after the Andrew Luck retirement you saw their week one line against the Chargers get moved up and one, one or two Vegas shops all the way up to plus nine and that was quickly bought back down now you're looking at around seven actually with juice on the Colts getting seven points and I still think that's that's a big spread so I, I was not part of I wish I you know got involved on that I wasn't able to um, some shops a lot of shops went up to like seven seven and a half before there was sharp buyback and now we're looking at uh, seven points spread in that one but pretty much limited to zero home field advantage for the Chargers uh, even though they're a good team Uh, so saying that they're about seven points better i mean obviously you want to downgrade for travel and everything but you know you got to think that the colts are gonna they're still a good team this team was built to be a super bowl contender this year before luck went down and uh they're still a good team and you got to figure they're going to rally around bursette and rally around each other it's a shitty situation but um you know everyone's going to be probably reacting to that and and downgrading them too much there might be an overreaction so the colts are actually looking like a buy-on team for me at the start of the year now and i'm Probably gonna get involved on that seven points. Actually, I'm got to look at, at the Jews. I don't like leaning too much juice on that. But getting a full seven on the road in week one, I think is a is a pretty good play against the Chargers. At least it's the only way I would look. Congratulations to Rory McIlroy for winning the FedEx Cup last weekend, taking home a cool fifteen million dollars last Sunday at East Lake in Georgia. He was around eight or nine to one to start the tournament. It's it'll be interesting to see how that tournament's handicapped next year with the new rules that were in place this year. Obviously Justin Thomas started uh, 10 strokes or under par and obviously eight strokes under par for the next best guy heading into it. So it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting format and it's hard to price, you know, matchups. I think all books only priced uh, matchups between guys that had the same score entering the tournament uh, for tournament matchups. So it's, it'd be interesting to see how, how the moves uh, or how that's priced moving forward and how people handicap that in future years. (laughs) Iowa sports betting launched two weeks ago from today. Andre Dawson made the first bet at Iowa Waterloo. It's, it's a slow rollout on some of the mobile out there in Iowa, but there's looks like there's some nice books going up around the state, uh, especially that points bet uh, property at, at Catfish Bend. Uh, we have our very own Little Yeri on the front lines. He's been uh, texting me some plays and some info on the, the books out there. Uh, just legal betting in Iowa. It's really cool. i got to get out there and uh, make some plays and I'm definitely planning on on doing that at some point and checking out the casino soon. Indiana Sports Betting launches next week. It's all about to happen everywhere outside of Illinois besides Wisconsin. So our neighboring states, Iowa and Indiana, are going to be up and ready to go for the NFL season. Um, In terms of people in Chicago, the nearest casino to us, obviously the Horseshoe Casino, they are projected to open next Wednesday, September 4th. So right in time for football season the Bears and Packers play on one week from today so the day after uh, Horseshoe opens up their their sports book there so that's definitely the closest spot for us here in Chicago just an easy 25 minute ride from downtown with no traffic Uh, so I'm definitely gonna be looking to go out there to to make some bets obviously before the the season starts so I'm really looking forward to going to see that and uh, be sure to check out Bet Indiana too which is launching in Indiana very soon I'm going to be writing uh, for them as well. So that's going to be some really exciting times in the state of Indiana. They are launching their sports betting next week. <laughs> All right, the 2019 2020 season is upon us. It's time to break down some college football games. Oh, God damn it, it feels so good to say that again. But anyway, I put an article up on uh, Bet Chicago earlier this week with early week line value on Thursday and Friday night games. And those are the three plays I will start out with here, but without further ado, here are some college football week one games that have caught my eye. I can feel it all the way down in my plums, getting all swollen, with a light blue hue to them, fresh and juicy, ready for the picking. Starting out with tonight, UCLA, plus three or better, visiting Cincinnati. I gave this one out a few weeks ago and wrote an article on Chicago almost a month ago now on how... UCLA is a buy-on team this year, and Chip Kelly's second year uh, coaching the team. And I recommended a play on UCLA plus three and a half back then, uh, which I do have in pocket. This one actually opened four, four and a half at, uh, months ago, but uh, money was bet down. other money brought the line down uh, for UCLA, and then. Uh, it, actually earlier this week on Monday uh, came down even more actually south of the field goal the line kind of settled out at uh, at Cincinnati laying two and a half but now it's kind of starting to tick back up you're seeing some Cincinnati money so this one looks like it's settling out at plus three I'm seeing two and a half and some plus threes out there so you got to shop it today but there's definitely good enough value on plus three to take that um, there's a lot of reasons why I like UCLA here and I think it's my genuine or my uh, my general premise is that um is that Cincinnati's overrated after last year. Obviously, they're playing in a way different schedule strength of schedule than UCLA does. Just for reference, Phil Steele's strength of schedule last year. Cincinnati was 108, and UCLA was number two. Um, but there's a lot of other reasons why I think Cincinnati was overrated after last year's UCLA underrated. Um, they showed signs at the end of last year, UCLA, to take the next step. Now, they've had a whole off season to... Uh, to get better and to improve, they have the most returning starters, 19 of all the Power Five schools. Um, Chip Kelly's been able to recruit guys to to um, to meet his, his high tempo style. So there's a lot of reasons why I like UCLA in this one. I think this I have this line at a pick'em. So catching a field goal with either team is value, and here UCLA is catching the plus three. I mean, slight favorites. I have Cincinnati just a tick above um, a tick above pick'em, but still getting that full field goal with UCLA. Uh, It's a good good move here, and those who got in on that plus 3.5 earlier in the offseason are in a great position as this game approaches. Wisconsin at South Florida. I like South Florida. Um, It's part of the article I wrote for Bet Chicago. There's a lot of reasons why I do like South Florida here, uh, but honestly, I think if you wait around, you might be able to see 14. There was, I mean, Wisconsin opened up about 10.5, 10.5, 11. Um, I think it was a 10.5 consensus opener. But then Wisconsin Money actually drove the line all the way up to 13.5. That's where I got started to get involved there. But then it looked like it hit its, its the price point hit its resistance. And uh, Monday it went back down to 12.5. But now I'm seeing it tick back up. I'm seeing a lot of 13s out there, which seems like it's worth settling out. If this gets to 14, it's really great value. But uh, but I still like it at 13. South Florida, a lot of reasons to like this. I think the money was coming on Wisconsin with the belief that Jonathan Taylor's just going to run rampant all over the uh, the South Florida run defense, but I uh, I don't think that's going to be the case. I mean, South Florida, the defensive line is going to be big time improved this year. Uh, they have six returning starters. They've all bulked up though, over this offseason. They were just really small last year. I Dug up some info in their Five defensive tackles last year who made starts averaged just 276 pounds. Uh, their head coach Charlie Strong also brought in five new assistant coaches this year, so you got to figure that they're going to be they're going to be injected with you know, some new energy into the team after finishing so poorly last year. And speaking of this about finishing poorly last year, according to Mark Lawrence, uh, only. Six teams in the country had more starts by freshmen last year than the in South Florida, and they're also the first team in AP poll history to lose six straight games after starting the season 7-0. and So I think the market was really down on South, South Florida at the end of the last year. And also I think the market's overrated Wisconsin here, uh, especially in this spot as well when you look at how the South Florida team and how Power 5 team – or how, how South Florida's done against uh, – power five teams in the past and also how aac teams have done as well so like south florida against power five teams they have won five in a row straight up and then the big 10 is 0 and six against the spread all time on the road against aac opponents so if you're looking at a senior quarterback for south florida blake barnett um they're nine returning starters for that offense so there's a lot of turnover there and then they have a high power to attack but i also think um, Strong, uh, their coach is going to, Charlie Strong is going to slow down the game as much as he can, and every point becomes more valuable in that scenario. So I think there is value on South Florida plus 13. I don't think Wisconsin is going to run all over them as much as people are thinking. And if this is a close game, you know, the back door might be open as well for a high powered offense. There's a lot of reasons to like this. You know, even if Wisconsin's up by 20 or something like that, you know, at the end, they're, you know, they're kind of sagging off, not, you know, pushing the game anymore. You might see that back door covered by, the South Florida offense. So either way, it's a team from Wisconsin going down to the South in August. So it's just a scenario where you don't want to play on that team coming from Wisconsin. So South Florida plus thirteen or better. Utah State at Wake Forest. That's tomorrow night. And by the way, the South Florida game's tomorrow night as well. The UCLA game is the first one tonight on Thursday. So that's actually kicking off later today but Utah State tomorrow night at Wake Forest I think this game's another one that should be closer to a pick at Wake Forest around you know one point favorite so getting north of a field goal is value here the best quarterback the best player on the field probably is going to be uh, the junior quarterback for Utah State Jordan Love the problem with that team is and the reason why I think this line is as high as it is is because Utah State Lost a lot of guys last year. They only have two returning starters on offense, but one of those is Jordan Love. He's going to be the best quarterback on the field tomorrow night. Uh, last year he set five school records, including 32 touchdown passes. He set the yardage record as well, and he was just he was dominant last year. But Utah State, they they have a new coach. Uh, Gary Anderson's back, and um, it's going to be interesting just to see how I don't know how they are with with him in his first game back because when he left the team, he used to be their coach, and his last year with them was 2012. But he was known for uh, defensive presence there. They only allowed 15.4 points per game in his last year in 2012 before he went to Wisconsin to take the job there. So Gary Anderson, I think, is back in the role that he likes to be in. And yeah, there's not as many returning starters, but the guys that are putting in those spots are, are all highly rated. And I have them higher rated than, um, than a lot of the Wake Forest players they'll be going up against. And I think another reason why this line is as big as it is is because Wake Forest beat Utah State 46-10 to at the same field two years ago. So I think there's another reason for the inflated price. I think the Aggies, will even though even a lot of the players, most of the players weren't there for that one, they're still going to be aware of it. So I think there's value on Utah State at plus three, anything north of the field goal, plus three and a half right now, put that in pocket. Um, so let's see here. Those are the ones I wrote up for the Bet Chicago article, those first three. Um, another big game, to, uh, It's actually tonight, Utah, And BYU in the Holy war. And this is an interesting one because the line opened up six and then was actually bet down, um, betters were betting on BYU. So it went down to four and a half and now it's ticked back up to six and a half. I think there was worry about Zach Wilson's shoulder uh, to the uh, injuries to his shoulder. That's the BYU quarterback who is going to be the best quarterback on the field tonight. That's the only thing. But besides that, uh, Utah, for me, is a, I do have a small position on them. I got down a little bit of 4.5, a, a little bit of 5.5, just because it's a simple power ratings thing, and I also think that the home field might be a little bit blown out of proportion in this one. I think there's a limited home field. Obviously, Utah and BYU very close to each other, and it's uh, obviously a big rivalry game. But at the same time, in the last 18 regular season games in the Holy War, the underdog is 14-4 and four against the spread, and also some other stuff I dug up uh, heard Paul Stone say this uh, BYU has the total has gone under in 14 of their last 15 season openers but we actually did see the total in this one drop from 48 and a half to 47 and a half which is interesting because these two teams had a shootout last year so if anything I actually might be looking at the over on this one but the Utah defense is just sick this year um, they're gonna be I mean there's a reason why they're being picked by pretty much everyone to win the Pac-12 South, and they're even being picked by a few quote-unquote pundits out there who, or to to actually make the playoff and even play in the championship game this year. So they have one of the top defensive lines in college football. Their quarterback, Tyler Huntley, and uh, running back, Zach Moss, are good. I mean, this it, it's going to be a good game. It's going to be really interesting to see. But obviously, Utah, that defensive line is just such another— it's, it's so, so next level for BYU that I think they can have their way with them. So I do like Utah laying the points at under six. Now at six and a half, it's, there's not it's not much there. It's tough. I was really hoping to get involved if it got down to four, but putting you know, a half unit position on four and a half and five and a half, and I was hoping to, to add more, but I'm not going to do that now. I don't think this one's going to tick back down, so it's probably no man's, no man's land now. Uh, but if you can get it at under a, a touchdown if you're really looking to get into play, that's not the worst way to go. And then a few notes on other Thursday and Friday games. I'm going to go a little bit more rapid fire now because it's taking a while. But um, Kent State, Arizona State, this one's I think supposed to be like around 105 degrees at, at kickoff. We've got a true freshman starting for Arizona State and Herm Edwards. And sometimes players like that take a while. I think it's going to be a project for Herm Edwards. It's his second year with the team. And he actually did better last year. Uh, everyone was pretty down on him to start the year including myself but Arizona State had a pretty strong year in his first year but um you know Benjamin and his 1700 yards on the ground they come back this year uh for Arizona State so I think it's it's gonna be interesting they have that tough week three matchup against Michigan State but they could have a four and one start uh before a tough conference schedule but I I do think uh Arizona State you know they're laying a lot of points in this one so it's just gonna be a watch and learn for me with that freshman quarterback uh Clemson, Georgia Tech—that's tonight. Clemson can name their score, obviously, but I have concerns about Dabo Sweeney uh, calling off the dogs in the fourth quarter. I tend to think that he will, so I will not be having—I I won't have a pre-flop position in this one, but I will be looking to play on Georgia Tech in game, especially if there's any indication that uh, that Dabo Sweeney is going to call off the dogs. Rice at Army. Uh, Rice is just so terrible. I've brought them up in a, I think the last episode. Uh, they might be the worst team in college football this year. Um, they're bad. That's a lot of love for Army at this price, laying at 22 and a half. I think I've seen, seen some 21 and a half with a low total of 48 and a half. That's really tough to get behind behind that one. Uh, Rice is uh, they're an abysmal team, but they have had time to prep for the triple option. It's not one of those situations where, you know, you want to get. You know, bet on Army when a team has limited time to prepare for that triple option. Rice has had the whole summer to prepare for it. The problem is, are they good enough to stop it? And the other problem is, um, is, maybe Army a little mad that they weren't ranked to start the year. That's something to think about. But that's also no man's land for me. If it got under 21, still I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even touch it. That. <laughs> Purdue at Nevada. The betters are loving Purdue. They are. Um, they went up from eight and a half to ten and a half point favorites, and this one's at Nevada. Uh, that's a pretty big jump, north of ten, and the total actually went down on this too. Um, so I, I don't know. It's gonna be tough for me to 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 get involved in this one. Actually, I'm looking at Nevada now, honestly. Now that it's gone north of ten points, I think this is one of those spots where Nevada could actually upset Purdue. Um, numbers wise, I'm not as confident on my numbers for this one, but I do. You know, it's getting close now that it's above ten, uh, taking the points with the home dog, which is the best spot, the spot that I love to be in the most. But uh, Rondell Moore, Purdue, wide receiver, he's a total stud. He's going to be the best player on the field. He's worth watching on his own. Um, but these are two teams with a better offense than better. Their offenses are better than their defenses. So it's interesting that the total went down a little bit. It's one of those spots where if it starts, uh, I'll be watching for in running, but if they're, you know, if it's one of the spots where they're playing fast and you know there's a turnover or something like that, might look to get involved in the live over. <laughs> Colorado State, Colorado, this one's moving up close to 14, and at that point I might take a little slice of Colorado State getting 14 points in this rivalry. And then Oregon State hosting Oklahoma State. Sharp Money took Oregon State from 16.5 down to 14, um, which is notable because I think I agree with that move. I think uh, people shouldn't be sleeping on Jonathan Smith, or Oregon State coach. I think uh, they're going to do better this year. Not to say that there's value in this game, at this number, but they are going to score a lot of points, uh, Oregon State this year. But talking about scoring a lot of points, Oklahoma State, holy shit. I mean, that that offense is going to be super explosive this year again. They could score it really well. So this is a spot where I I don't mind looking at the over, but I think that's ticked up a bit. I actually don't have it around me right now, but that's a spot where uh, these are two teams that are going to put up a lot of points. And especially, you know, this one starts slow or there's some kind of turnover or something like that that you know, teams should have scored, or like a missed field goal or something, like, you know, go for it on fourth down in the red zone or something like that, and there's no score. It could be a spot where you want to look at a live over in that one as well. <laughs> All right, so now let's move on to the Saturday, Sunday, and Monday games. These first couple of weeks of the season are where I really look to play on large underdogs, with the thought process being that a lot of the bigger favorites who can essentially name their score – Will take their foot off the gas at the end of the game they, they won't want to show as much on offense a lot of them have big week two matchups you know like LSU and well, I'm going to touch on these shortly but LSU and Texas next week have a big matchup um, so you see that often you know these teams are obviously good enough to cover but in the fourth quarter and stuff they lay off the gas and and that uh that opens up a lot of backdoor covers in these early weeks in the season and that's the spot I'd like to be at. It's not pretty playing these, these big underdogs, but that's definitely where the value is. And when we're trying to hit 55%, obviously that's something you want to get involved with. But so starting out Florida state, this is not one of those situations, but versus Boise state. And actually this morning, this one's getting pulled off the board. So I have to, I have to see what's going on here, but I was, I, I do have a small position on Florida state here. Um, I don't know where did I get it. Like four, I think. Yeah, this one opened lower in the you know, in the summer, I think it opened actually like three with juice Florida state laying three. It's at a neutral location in Jacksonville, but obviously it's a huge uh, advantage spot for uh, Florida state playing locally and Boise state traveling all the way from Idaho. Uh, Blackman was named the starter for the Seminoles, but I think uh, the humidity is going to be a a thing here for Boise. Um, And they have a a true freshman quarterback plan, Bachmeyer, I think the last name is how you pronounce it. And um, it's going to be tough for them against a good defense on the road. I think, um, there, there's no more Brett Rippon as quarterback for Boise State, so they, it's like a new era for them with the, the new true freshman quarterback in there. Uh, my big worry is Florida State. Taggart's teams are usually not as disciplined, but I think this is a spot where I'd like to play on Florida State and look at the level of recruits that they've been getting recently too. So, But this one's off the board, like I said, so there could be something I don't even know about, so take a look at that one. Um, and But I do have that position on Florida State. <laughs> Georgia Southern. Now here we are with these these big dogs I'm talking about. The next two games I'm going to talk about are the two big underdogs that are facing LSU and Texas. And LSU and Texas play next week in Austin. Um, so Georgia Southern's getting 27 and a half at LSU. And uh, they run the option, Georgia Southern. So um there's time for lsu to prep for that obviously but this is just one week before that big texas game, and um, lsu has dropped six straight against the spread at home against non-sec teams uh the george the southern quarterback uh, warts i think his name, he um he didn't even throw an interception last year the george southern quarterback so the eagles from the Sun Belt. they also they won their bowl game last year and from what i've heard the they're 12-6-1 against the spread since their new coach took over mid-year recently. If this one gets to 28 points, that's where I think I'm going to reach in pocket for some George Southern. I think this is a spot where, like I was saying before, LSU's got their minds on next week. They obviously prep for this one. And said, you know, it's week one at home, so the team's going to be up for the game. I'm not saying they're not going to be, but at the end of the game, they're not going to want to show too much uh, to Tom Herman and the Texas coaching staff. They're going to want to probably keep it vanilla at the end, and that opens up that back door. For Georgia Southern, and who knows, Georgia Southern with that, you know that uh, that quarterback who didn't throw an interception last year and that track record, I think they could actually stay in this one. So uh, at twenty-eight, I get into play on Georgia Southern. <laughs> Louisiana Tech, likewise, getting twenty-one or better at Texas. I think there's value taking the points with Louisiana Tech here. Uh, Texas has had problems covering the big numbers. Obviously, we know about Tom Herman, the underdog, but. Um, as a double-digit favorite since 2016. Tom Herman is 2-11 against the spread. And on the other side of the field, Skip Holtz, Louisiana Tech's coach, he's very good as an underdog. Um, I do like this one a lot more than the Georgia Southern LSU one, by the way. Um, But anyway, Skip Holtz, he's 14-4 since 2014 um, as an underdog and... I believe so. Per Bruce Marshall, I heard this on VSN a couple days ago. In this spot, dating back to his days at East Carolina since 2005, with Skip Holtz, he's 67 percent in this spot, um, which is pretty impressive. That's in Texas. You know, they got that big game coming up next week. It's probably one of the biggest home games in Austin in years. I think it is the biggest home game in Austin in years against LSU next week. So they're not going to want to show as much. They're not going to want to show everything versus Louisiana Tech and. Uh, I think the Bulldogs have a good chance here too. They got a veteran quarterback and Lamar Smith, 27 career starts, veteran receiver at uh, Hardy. He's returning, and another thing. This is per Paul Stone, who I heard say this on Veasan as well. The last 10 years as an underdog of 20 or more points, Louisiana Tech are seven and one against the spread, and Skip Holtz in particular, his last three coaching stops, he's seven and two against the spread. Um, in a spread of over 20 points, getting over 20 points. So that's the way I'm looking. Louisiana tech taking the points at Texas revenge spot for Stanford versus the defending big 10 West champion, Northwestern. It's really weird to say that. Um, but Northwestern visits Stanford on Saturday and Pat Fitzgerald. Everyone knows about this. Now the head coach for Northwestern, he's covered his last eight as a road dog and he's 14 and three against the spread in that role since 2014. Um, I'm inclined to actually like Stanford in this spot. Uh, they lost this one. On, this is obviously a revenge spot. They lost on the road last year. It was an early game at Northwestern. Actually, was on Northwestern in that spot. But uh, this game opened five and a half, six, and it's up to six and a half now. Wouldn't be surprised if it gets to seven. But um, man, for me, it's. I mean, there's a veteran quarterback in KJ Costello for Stanford. They're one of the most well-prepared teams, one of the most well-coached teams in the entire country. And that offensive line, you know, the experienced offense interestingly the total's gone down on this one 49 down to 47 and a half don't necessarily disagree with that but for me there's a lot of uncertainty northwestern their quarterback hunter johnson obviously they have a new quarterback coming in um, after stability the past few years but hunter johnson's great he's one of the top rated quarterbacks especially coming out of high school i mean he's a clemson transfer so he's a clemson recruit he's one of the top quarterbacks coming out of high school a few years ago but just couldn't get on the field at clemson and uh, but there's some uncertainty there for me, just with him. You know, he's got it's his first game with the team, and to expect you know Pat Fitzgerald to go into you know the West Coast and in an early game, that's a lot to ask. And I feel like the market move now on Stanford is I, I agree with it, but getting them under a touchdown isn't the worst decision here. I'm I'm probably not going to play that, but I will be looking to play on this one in running for sure. <laughs> The big night game on Saturday, Oregon versus Auburn. It almost feels like it's Pac-12 versus the world in the national media. You I know, mean, especially after Arizona doing so terrible uh, in Hawaii last weekend, but it's games at Arlington. And last time Oregon went to Arlington in week one against an SEC team, they got destroyed by LSU nine years ago. And we all know about the Pac-12 struggles. They're three and 19 against the spread of bowl games in the last three years. Um, and Auburn could be, you know, a buy-on team this year. They don't have a lot of returning players, but Gus Malzahn is calling plays again for them, which is his wheelhouse. He took over for their bowl game against Purdue this past year um, when they destroyed Purdue. So um, it's it's going to be an interesting spot. I think you know the total went down on this one, and I agree with that. It was it was at fifty-eight down to fifty-six, but I think we can see some you know tick back up with some public money on Saturday. So I actually do like. You know taking a look at the under on this one if it gets back up to 58 and honestly if it gets to four i'm probably going to look the direction of taking the points of oregon you know they got herbert the quarterback he was going to be you know the best quarterback on the field in that game and you know good offensive line there's a lot of reasons to like oregon this year it's just that that whole pack 12 angle but this is their time to shine they got to win this one if this one gets up to four i think that is value on oregon that's where i will uh, make a play pre-flop but I'll also be looking to get involved on in the under, and then obviously if I like Oregon and the under, it opens itself up for Auburn team total, obviously with Malzahn calling the plays, a little bit of trepidation on that type of play, but I would take a look at the Auburn team total under if this one gets up to 58 and if Auburn is a four-point favorite. <laughs> North Carolina versus South Carolina, Mack Brown returns. The is being played in Charlotte, um, and you know even though UNC's listed as the home game, it's a neutral site. Very limited home field advantage for North Carolina there, and there is money coming in on South Carolina. I think that for good reason. Uh, quarterback Jake Bentley—he's coming back. I think he's a bit underrated, and this—it's uh, it's a good spot for South Carolina. You know, I, I agree with the line move now. It's obviously a big line, but South Carolina is a good team. They have a brutal schedule. They have to play Alabama and Clemson, but I think there's a big enough talent gap in this game to justify the spread moving up. I won't be playing it, but I will be watching. <laughs> Houston at Oklahoma, the line opened up minus 25, minus 26, but dropped to, to 23. Uh, Dana Holgerson's getting some love on his debut for Houston. Massive total in this one. I think it was 82 last time I saw And I actually think there could be some value here on the under because Oklahoma's defense has improved. <laughs> Georgia at Vanderbilt, the line has moved a couple points to Georgia here. I think Vanderbilt uh, could be worth a look in this one, especially – at twenty-one and a half or higher, good vet, which I think is the current market price, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Vanderbilt they continue to cover spreads in this spot, you know, slowly, quietly over time, and they have a really good running back, you know, one of the top three running backs in the entire conference. And stuff. so, you know, at home here, catching three touchdowns against Georgia, not a bad look taking Vanderbilt. I'm, I'm going to see where this line goes, but if it goes up any, anywhere north, it's like twenty-three, I'm definitely going to get into play on on Vanderbilt. USC versus Fresno State. A lot of money on USC. I think that's justified. This one opened nine. It's up to 13.5. So if you're <laughs> laying the points of the USC, you're not getting any value anymore. But they're uh, JT Daniels, USC quarterback. Expect him to make a big sophomore leap this year. He was a freshman last year and uh, showed a lot of growing pains. But I think this year's where he makes a big leap. And Fresno, they're coming off an amazing year winning the Mountain West Conference. But they lost a lot of players. So I think it's definitely possible that USC wins this game by by two touchdowns or more. Toledo and Kentucky. This one, I'm actually starting to take a look at Toledo getting the points, the live Mac underdog. Uh, Kentucky won 10 games last year. Mark Stoops has done a a great job building that program, but uh, they do lose some talent this year. Benny Snell, he's gone. And from what I've heard, Stoops has failed to cover nine straight as chalk in Lexington. So that's another reason to take Toledo. And Toledo really well coached. uh, Jason Candle, think he could be the next big guy to to leave the mac uh just like his predecessor matt campbell the iowa state coach who's one of my favorite coaches in college football matt campbell uh so really well coached toledo team both their quarterbacks are back this year and uh they scored 50 or more points six times last season this, this team could score so i think toledo getting the points they're a live dog here i, I might be looking at th- if it gets up to 13 i'm definitely reaching out reaching into pocket for toledo two touchdowns and it's a full play My Iowa Hawkeyes, my alma mater at home against Miami of Ohio. Usually I hate playing in Iowa in this spot, but Iowa, Kirk Ferentz as a favorite the past couple of years, um, he's 15-4-1 against the spread as a favorite, his last 20. So they've been covering these games, which is not, you you don't expect that from Iowa teams usually. But uh, they were a top 10 defense last year, the Hawkeyes. This year at um, Ebeneza, the, the defensive end, he's one of the best pass rushers in the country. Stanley, Nate Stanley, I think he's pretty underrated quarterback for the Hawkeyes. He's thrown 52 touchdowns the past two years. Um, And, you know, he low key could have NFL potential. So um, I'm not looking to play on Iowa, laying this spot, but it's it's the only way I'd look here, which is, you know, different. I'm I'm actually not as high on Iowa this year as a lot of people are, but it's more of a play against Miami of Ohio if I was going to look to play on Iowa. They have lost 14 straight against Big Ten teams, and almost all of Miami of Ohio's skill position players are gone from last year. So hawkeyes is tough to lay a spread like that but that's the only way i'd look uh, at home opening the season against miami of ohio on saturday and then finally the last college game that i'm going to touch on is the labor day game notre dame at louisville i like louisville here but i'm really hoping to get 21 points they got their new coach satterfield from appalachian state the irish uh they were 19 20 point favorites now it's dropped down to 18. The total dropped down to 55 as the spread went up, which is interesting. But Louisville's rebuilding, so it's they did put in a lot of talented. They upgraded a lot of talent this year, uh, but the problem is it's all new and it's a rebuilding process. So and obviously last year, <laughs> anything's an upgrade on Louisville from last year. They were just so bad. And getting three touchdowns at Notre Dame would be a spot where I would take the points. I am inclined to take the points even at less than that, you know, for a smaller position, you know, if you can get 20 especially. But, you know, 18, 19 points you know, those are dead numbers. But that's the only way I'd look in this one. Notre Dame, I wouldn't even start to look. You know, if you know, 14 would be where I'd start to look there. So not even in the ballpark. So it's Louisville or pass clearly for me on this one and you might even be able to get some value on Louisville uh, on game day. And it would need to be three touchdowns for me to make uh, a full position there. All right, so that'll do it for college football. This episode's actually running longer than I intended, so let's quickly move on to some NFL buy-and-sell teams. All 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 right, so I'm kind of pulling an audible here. I want to explain more next week when I touch on NFL more in depth. Um, But really quickly, NFL buy-on teams. Uh, The Ravens, over eight wins it's quite a bit of juice on it now, but also yes to make the playoffs. I think the market's undervaluing this team. They've they look like they have fully embraced analytics, hiring analytics guys in the analytics department now. Lamar Jackson, um, he's had the preseason with the first team this year. People forget, you know, he took over at the end of last year. It was a Flacco year in the training camp and now it's a Lamar Jackson in training camp. I think he's gonna take that next year leap too. Obviously you gotta know what Lamar Jackson is. You know, he's not gonna be that typical pocket passer, but I think he could be they utilize them the right way, which I think they are going to do. They have one of the easiest schedules of rush defenses. I think the third easiest, according to Warren Sharp stuff, uh, this year, and very winnable schedule. I could see them. You know, I have them projected, you know, closer to ten wins, about nine and a half. So anything over eight, uh, obviously the juice is there. But I think the Ravens are going to win eight games. They're going to. I do think that they're going to make the playoffs this year again, and. We also saw some good signs from that Ravens team. Uh, even though they lost their last playoff game last year um, to the Chargers, they were you were able to see Lamar Jackson at the end when they needed to. He was able to move the ball downfield, and they brought guys in this year that are going to be perfect compliments for him. I think that they you know, obviously their defense is going to be super strong. They're well coached, but I think that offense is actually going to be underrated this year too. So the Ravens in general – The market is not giving them as much love as they should be. So that's another team I'm buying on this year. In terms of NFL sell teams, these are all pretty typical. I've I've touched on the Bears already, and I've also touched on other teams already in in the last podcast, so go back and listen to that. But just to expand a little bit more, I will be looking to sell on the Browns this year. It's not much of a surprise. They're such a public team. They're going to be the public darling this year. It's not going to all be fine and dandy for Cleveland, especially uh, concerns with that offensive line. There's obviously a lot of egos in that locker room too, and most importantly, the market's just completely pricing the shit out of them. So, um, they're, I think they're gonna, there's going to be value fading the Browns this year uh, more often than not, I would think. And then the other team is the Rams. Some fantastic stuff from Scott Kellen um, going over Pythagorean wins, but the, the Rams went 13 and three last year, scoring 527 points, allowing 384 points. But when you look at the Pythag formula from last year they should have won 11 games instead of the 13 that they won so that's two more games than they should have and dating back to 2007 for teams that won two or more games than they should have according to pythag wins when you bet their season win total under the very next year you're 17 three and one so that applies to the rams this year betting their season win total under i'm going to look to get involved in them i've also got involved on the 49ers so it's kind of like a you know buy low on the 49ers, sell high on the Rams type of scenario. But just like I think the 49ers are a buy-on team, I think the Rams are a sell team. So Rams selling them. That's going to do it for the NFL talk, though. Um, I'm going to do a lot more. I know that was uh, really short on NFL, but went longer than I thought I would on college football. And next week, we're really going to dive into NFL as we enter week one, prepare for for the first week of games. So that'll do it for this episode of the Doggy Juice Pod. We'll be back next week to look at that NFL Week 1. We'll look at college football Week 2. We'll debut that new Doggy Juice Danimal segment. We're about to be in the thick of it, baby. So follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Doggy Juice for best bets and betting information. And as always, good luck with your bets. I will talk to you all soon. New Year's here, baby. Doggy Juice.